0: Wait. Okay now, from the beginning. Hi, my name is Adam Goods, and welcome to the Goods Oil. Today on our show, I'm joined by Paul Bell, Chief Experience Officer at Yoji. Paul, welcome to the show. Afternoon, Adam. Uh, thank you very much for having me on board. No problems. Now, Paul, Yoji is a an ASX publicly listed technology company which has introduced new ways of communication and collabor- a collaboration, might I say, across the entire freight and fleet supply chain using blockchain technology, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Sounds like they're at the cutting edge of technology. What's their background, Paul?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, Yoji are a fairly new entrant into the market, uh, been listed on the ASX only in the last sort of 18 months. Um, the... The board is a sort of a all very experienced ex-logistics operators, mm-hmm. um, and so those themselves and the CEO and some of the founders saw an opportunity to really take technology uh, and to apply it, particularly to the last mile. Um, and with the you know the growth of omnichannel and last mile uh, happening here in Australia, mm-hmm. they really saw an opportunity to uh, to take this technology uh, and apply it and uh, deliver some real. You know, value and benefits for their customers.
0: Yeah, right. And and you've been in the, in this industry for over 20 years, so a while now, Paul. So a seasoned supply chain expert. Where did it all start for you? And and you know, wh- what does this role, what does your role as a chief experience officer entail?
1: I oh, know, 20 years. When you say it that way, it sounds a bit <laughs> scary. It <but>, uh, <laughs> started for me. I, uh, I worked as a graduate at Vizy uh, oh, yeah. in their logistics group. Yeah. Um, uh, learning about factories and factory automation. Mm-hmm. Um, I travelled overseas like all good uh, Australian uh, yep. uh, kids straight out of university do I'd, for a while. I did the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Although I went with a little bit of experience. So I, uh, I okay. took a job with Accenture rather than working for three pound behind a bar, Yeah, <laughs> uh, which was pretty nice. Uh, but I worked for Accenture in the UK for a long time, mm. um, then came back and worked for Toll, and then ran my own uh, consulting group here in Australia for a long time yeah, before yeah. kind of moving into startups. But yeah. the, the funny thing with that adventure is, at no point along the way did I say to myself, gee, I wish I'd worked in logistics and supply chain. Yeah. So you fell into it. Is it?
0: Some, how did you get you <laughs> the role at Visi originally? Yeah, it
1: was just, it was just a, an evolving process. I think um, for my degree, I had to do a year. Um, like uh, practice, uh, you know, out in the year field and, you know, through some friends, got a job at Visi in their help desk um, and it just evolved from there. Um, And then when I went to live in the UK, I had skills in a company called I2, which did factory planning. Um, So that was something that Accenture were looking for and it just really snowballed from there. Mm -hmm. Um, But look, you know, I, I think, you know, even if I'd chosen to work here um, or not chosen to work here, I'm, you know, I'm really happy with the, the way I've ended up. Yeah, uh, it's a really exciting space. Yep. Um, and it's a, a perfect blend of what I like, which is technology and operations and business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and so moving through your career, you've worked in other other uh, companies uh, throughout those twenty uh, odd years, and um, you were your last role. You were a CIO, is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, I was a CIO for a blockchain-based TMS startup out of Hong Kong yeah. called Openport. Mm-hmm. Um, I really started being exposed to the concept of blockchain um, uh, 18 months, two years ago, yeah. uh, and really, really resonated with me around the, uh, the benefits that could be achieved in, in this industry in particular. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, prior to that, you know, through consulting, you get to see the, the good and the bad <laughs> of a lot of organizations. Yep. Um, I think we were saying earlier before we started that uh, um, and I often say to some of the people I work with that, you know, the companies that look amazing on the outside, uh, when you get under the hood, it's often a, a lot of a, uh, sticky tape and paddle pop sticks hanging it together. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So,
0: so what does your role entail as a Chief Experience Officer? I mean, that title is um, fairly new, but it, it can mean different things in different organisations. What does it mean at Yoji?
1: So I think if you, uh, if you Google it, it's probably the, uh, the hottest trending title uh, in Silicon Valley at the moment yeah. uh, with a bit of title inflation associated. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, at Yoji, uh, I'm part of the, uh, the exec group uh, yeah. and yeah. I'm responsible really from pre-sales all the way through to delivery. Right. Um, so making sure we've got happy customers mm-hmm. and making sure we've got you know implementations that deliver on the value for the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also taking back what the customer wants and making sure that feeds into our product roadmap and our, uh, you know, product development. Right. Um,
0: so it's almost like the other big buzzword, you know, customer experience,
1: CX, and that it, it entails a little, a little bit of that as well. Doesn't absolutely, or... yes. Yeah. So look, it's, it's it's a combination of delivery and, and CX. So <laughs> chief experience is, I mean, it's it's shortened as CXO. So yeah. uh, it is that, that big buzzword. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to implement... To, to get real time. Mm. Um, you know the old way of connecting, like a an NPS score, was you go out and you survey your customers, and you know, mm. you try and feed that into the product. Mm. We're trying to build that in real time mm. and really understand what our customers want, mm. um, so we make sure we are really delivering you know product that fits their needs. Yeah, and and the product that you're using, that the technology behind
0: a blockchain. I mean. Mm -hmm. um that's you know starting to be picked up in a number of different industries now we've seen it in finance industries and and now it's been used in logistics and supply chain you know what what's the the future with this technology in this industry and how does it sort of all all work in in a
1: nutshell yeah look i think blockchain's an interesting one i like to uh Separate blockchain and call it um, uh, and try and distance ourselves from the cryptocurrency and call it a distributed ledger yep. um, it's a better way of looking at it and that's just a way of storing data uh, across multiple systems around the world mm-hmm. uh, and making sure that that data is, is trustworthy mm-hmm. but and no third party owns it. Um, look, you know, distributed ledger technology is still very immature uh, and it's got a lot to go. Mm-hmm. So if you think about, you know, in the early 2000s and the, the e-commerce boom, mm-hmm. uh, it took, you know, this huge boom and bust, but out of that rose Amazon, out of that rose Facebook, mm-hmm. Google, you know, some pretty compelling uh, uh, businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there will be a lot of uh, consolidation. I don't think there has been one... Um, distributed ledger technology that stood out amongst the others. I and mean, then Ethereum is the leader at the moment, yep. um, but that'll get replaced by uh, the next great thing. Yep. Um, but look, my view is, you know, even though immature, uh, the, the theoretical application yep. uh, is incredibly exciting. Mm. Um, and it's really around uh, automation. Yep. And that automation is based around what I call a smart contract. Um, so if you look at you know, my industry, you can apply a smart contract, which is really just a programming language set of rules. Mm-hmm. So you know, it says, if this, do this, then this, yeah. um, which can be applied um, into, and I think the two biggest areas in my industry is the rating of goods. So mm-hmm. if you're moving product from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and you're taking inputs and you know that it got picked up, you know that it got delivered, yep. um, and you've got you know digital records of that. Mm. You can write a smart contract that automatically rates that, mm. uh, and not only that, um, automates the uh, the AP and AR, so the the collection of cash and the uh, paying of suppliers um, yeah, right. in that entire process. So wow. if you think about that, you mm. could actually remove an entire accounts payable process. Yeah. Uh, around smart contract. Now, yeah. we're a long way off that, mm. uh, um, but that's that's where we're that's going. Yeah. And, and if you think about uh, in the future where we're going to get to, you know, autonomous trucks running around, yeah. um, which happen to be a pull the trucks, yeah. if you can have a mechanism for passing freight to a truck which isn't owned by anyone, yeah. um, and it may be owned by an individual or a group of yeah. people, but you don't, you don't deal with them, yeah. so you pass the freight to it, the freight mm. picks it up, does the delivery, uh, you record the digital events along the way. Yes. The second it's done, you run a smart contract in the back Yep. Uh, to, you know, to do the financials. Yeah. Um, that is where I think this is going. Yeah, I think, yeah. um, I think the, the other thing which uh, I see there's huge potential in is using the, uh, the immutability of a smart contract. So, making, so it's a, a trusted record Yep. Um, so in Asia, where we do a lot of work in emerging markets, uh, the level of trust is extremely low. Mm. So people rely on, you know, triplicate copies of paper. Yeah. So if you can have a digital record that is trusted, uh, you can actually take it and you can generate the, with the you know, electronic proof of delivery, which uses like a one-time password mm. uh, and a smart contract-based invoice. Mm. Um, and you could take that to a financing partner um, and say, will you factor my invoice? So what that means is a shipper who's moving goods normally wants to pay on really extended terms because they're managing their working capital. Yep. Um, the person who's moving the goods wants to get paid tomorrow because they've got to pay for fuel and wages yep. and an R&M on the truck. Um, you could take it to a financing partner and say, here's proof that I've moved the goods. Here's proof that this is how much the customer is going to pay me. Will you pay me this tomorrow minus a percentage point? And then when the the, the FMCG pays me, uh, you receive your money. Um, So it's it's a way of introducing cash into the supply chain um, via technology. Incredible,
0: yeah, actually, a few years ago, I organized a shipping container from New York to Melbourne so with the contents of my mother 's house at the time, and I could sort of follow the ship making its way across the ocean you know and and, and but I lost track of it as soon as it sort of hit hit Australian shores. Um, uh, do you see sort of any sort of standardization of the supply chain? Data for consumers to use. I mean, you probably touched on it a little bit there, and,
1: and a little bit. But look, it's it's interesting in Australia because we don't really have any standards mm. for this data. There's there's GS1, which is kind of a retail standard yeah. for barcoding and for labeling. Mm. Um, but if you talk to fifteen different transport companies, uh, the way they track and the way they store data it hasn't been standardised. Mm. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that you know, as a consumer uh, who's getting goods delivered to your house, yeah. uh, you're demanding more and more and more. You want yeah. to know, has it been picked up? Has it been delivered? Yeah. Um, so as it got through customs, as it you know all ab- that sort absolutely. Of thing. Yeah. But then, if you think about it as a courier company, if you've got 150 parcels on your van, mm. you don't necessarily want to show people that the van is zigzagging around your suburb because yeah, they're like security. Well, why? Well, a security and B, why hasn't it come to my house first? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But, Maybe you
0: could. Yeah, say I'll give you an extra five bucks and do it by an app. Ab-
1: absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but look, I think. um you know, the nirvana really to start with is what I call uh, mapping the uh, the logical. So, yeah. so, so first of all, mapping the physical path. So, where is it going from and to, mm. and then creating a logical record that maps that. Um, yep. The reason you really want to do that, though, um, is so that you can then start to optimize and predict. And as we said earlier, talking about machine learning and artificial mm. intelligence. Yeah. We're trying to you know, apply that across the data set. Um, yeah, right. and I'll give you an example of yeah, that okay. is in in Singapore, um, we use, you know, Google Maps to build our, our routes mm-hmm. um, for whether it be for a truck or whether it be for a bicycle. But um, bikes don't follow roads that often. So, yeah. you know, we'll build a, a route that says you should follow this road. But the bike may cut through an apartment complex. Yeah. Now, there's no road there. <laughs> now, after we see that two or three times, we actually use the machine wow. learning wow. to recognise that as yeah. a new route and we build that in. Yeah. So the next time we optimise and we go, we're, we're sending it from here to here, yeah. we're sending a bike, yep. okay, let's send yeah. it that way. Um, so we're learning. actually, it's learning as you go, yeah. yeah. So, so the reason you're doing all these things is to, to learn and apply insight and mm. to really... I mean, to get it to the consumer faster, uh, undamaged, uh, and given, you know, evidence that it's arriving. I mean, uh, how often have you sat at home waiting for, uh, for someone to turn up because you've totally told the window is between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m.? Yeah, or, or
0: some day. Look, I've got an office chair being ordered coming down from Sydney it, said it, it says it'll arrive on Monday. So I'm thinking, well, I'll yeah. have to be here all day, I suppose. That was yeah, all the information
1: I got. Absolutely. It's so, like, is it Monday? <laughs> is it Tuesday? Oh, um, yeah. And look, you know, and as consumers, we're, we're demanding more and more. Um, yeah. So, this technology just has to uh, mm. has to keep up, because uh, yeah. otherwise, um, you know, they're, they're already at the moment, the what we call the the last mile, so delivery to the consumer, mm. is the hardest and the most expensive of all the movements you do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah right. Because wow. you might you might be
1: moving a you know a, a box which you're getting paid a dollar for, mm-hmm. um, and you have to re-deliver it three times, and it costs you fifteen dollars. Yeah. So, so you're yeah. just losing money on that every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And so with all this new technology, um, what are some of the new jobs you're sort of seeing in the in the supply chain sort of industry, you know, being created because of these new technologies and the the amount of data and the you know, type of data and, and the technology, GPS tracking, all that has sort of come into play. Mm-hmm. What are some of the new skills and, and sort of jobs you sort of see in this
1: in this industry? Yeah, look, I think that there's two things. One, um, you know, all that the science-based skills are really becoming prevalent. So anything mm-hmm. to do with analytics uh, is really hot right now. Mm-hmm. Anything to do with automation is really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, you know, taking... The, the volumes of data we're processing and using that to apply insight to mm-hmm. uh, to reduce the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all well and good. Uh, but uh, one of the things I heard someone say a few months ago, which really resonated with me, he mm-hmm. said that, you know, all of these, you know, hard skills of, you know, being a, amazing, whether you're a solidity coder or mm-hmm. someone that can, you know, write stuff in Python is all great. But he said that uh, in the future... EQ is going to be one of the most important skills you can possibly have in the workplace.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally Uh,
1: agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I was interested to hear that. So, you know, you could be a, you know, an incredible coder, but unless you can deal with people, yeah. um, then, <laughs> then you're still not going to be that successful. That's right. The good
0: old people skills, it's been around for a long time and it's still <laughs> and there. Absolutely. And it's it, still there and it's never going away. No, exactly right. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. So, um, And you're right. And I'm seeing the same thing um, in the tech industry, just in general around data scientists, data analysts, people being able to um, interpret uh, business requirements um, but that requires the human element so the people skills straight there um, mm-hmm. that's definitely an area um, so yeah really looking forward to you know this type of technology driving your industry uh, Paul and, and sort of seeing where that go to it's really exciting stuff um, and Yogi, you're, you're, you're
1: at the <laughs> forefront. That's the, that's the plans. So we're at the forefront. I mean, we're, we're all across Asia um, and we're, you know, we're pushing this heavily. Uh, you know, there's huge benefit that can be delivered. I mean, you know, a typical optimization piece for a last mile carrier can save up to 15% on yeah. their transport costs. So when the you're talking millions, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The opportunity Bed. is there. Um, uh, adoption is always difficult. Yeah. Um, and, some of the emerging markets we deal with are certainly um, some are a lot further behind. We are in Australia, but then others are uh, a light years ahead. I mean, if you look at what, uh, what China, I mean, they're not an emerging market, but look at what China are doing with WeChat. Mm. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, so this, this technology is, uh, is, you know, really driving some of the change. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, it's really good to
0: chat about that. Now, before we go, um, Paul, I've got uh, the Goodsies fast four segment, which is where I'm slightly you, scared. Yeah, take, take you through some uh, four hard hitting questions in <laughs> in thirty seconds. So, you ready to go?
1: Absolutely. Here we go. <laughs>
0: know, let's do it. Okay. Uh, question number one: What's your go to order at your favourite restaurant?
1: Oh well, I would say I travel so much for work that uh, I can't help but uh, eat where the locals are, but. <laughs> Uh, I really probably couldn't go past my mother-in-law's lasagna.
0: Oh, there you go, some brownie <laughs> so points there. It's not a we'll restaurant, to, but her lasagna. We'll have to send this amazing. link. We'll have to send this link to your mother-in-law to get some brownie points there. Um, what do you? Question two. What do you wish you had known when you would started out in this role? <sighs>
1: Uh, Probably 20 years of programming experience would have been helpful Um, (laughs) so I could really uh, understand the process. Um, I mean, I get it conceptually, but uh, yeah, that would have been helpful. Yeah. And what's something that you've failed at? Oh man, I've failed at many things. I failed at uh, teaching my kids how to surf. Yep. Uh, having any form of rhythm, uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm probably failing pretty badly at learning the magic of uh, less blunt communication. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: And question for the last one: What are you curious about right now?
1: Uh, look, I'm I'm constantly. I've got a thirst to learn and read books and stuff. But yeah. um, because I'm heavily invested in startups of their own, I'm curious to learn how you can successfully scale startups, yeah. uh, how you can attract talent to them, yep. Um, yep. and really interestingly, how you can satisfy both investors and customers at the same time. Tricky, tricky balance, that's <laughs> for sure. Yeah, absolutely, sure is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Goods Oil. Thanks for listening and thank you, Paul, for joining me today. Oh, it was a pleasure, Adam. Great to talk to you. Great. And join us again next week when we bring you another CIO to the Goods Oil podcast and find out how they are making a difference to this world we live in. See you then.